It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. We're on, baby. And Sam Ostrowski. You like telling people they suck. Diamond in the Rough podcast, episode 15. Dan Collins, Sam Ostrowski, minor league baseball news, updates, talk, you name it, we got it. Cody Bellinger on fire. Sam's going to talk about him. The big hurt, Frank Thomas even took to Twitter and praised Cody Bellinger's play, if you will. Three up, three down. We'll be getting into that. MLB draft, that's coming up. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about it. All that coming up on the show. Find us at Diamond Podcast on Twitter. Email us. Yell at us. Say we're terrible. Say we're great at Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. Facebook, give us a like, send us a message, comment, you name it there, Diamond in the Rough Podcast on Facebook. Dan and Sam, we are keeping our promise. We're not going to be late this time. We're going to be right on track. We had episode 14 just about a week ago. Episode 15 coming right at you right now. I'm absolutely exhausted, as I told Sam in the beginning of our Skype call just a few minutes ago. Once again, this one is on Skype. We are not looking at each other face-to-face for the second episode in a row, and it is just as heartbreaking as it was the first time. But many, many, many things to get into today. We're going to try to crunch it all in, and if we don't, well, that's what they call episode 16, which will be out roughly a week after this. Plenty of interviews coming up. We have confirmed certain things, not dates, but when schedule is clear for all parties, that is when the interviews will take place. They will be coming. Personality, players, coaches, we reached out to all. All great feedback. So it's just a matter of getting things situated with that. So no need to worry. If you think you're listening to too much Sam and Dan, there will be other voices sooner or later. But Sam, enough of this ridiculous long intro. Trying to get it's time to get you to chime in. What's going on, bud? Oh, nothing much. You were going for the longest podcast intro of all time, and I was hoping you were gonna keep going for it, you know. But you, <laughs> just you, so you, you keep gave it up. And researching, doing whatever the heck you're doing over there. Yeah, no, you know, I was just sitting here listening. I was I was enjoying I was enjoying you talk just to see where you were gonna go with it. And uh, you know, I, I liked what you brought to the table. You introed the show, you talked about the future, and you went right into some information about Cody Bellinger. You know, we're going to get there. We talked a lot about Aaron Judge last week, and now we get to talk more about him and continue to talk about some of these young guys that are progressing actually in the majors while everyone else is sitting in the pipes in the minors. But we'll talk about those guys as well. So, but I guess to answer your question, Dan, I'm doing good. All right, good to hear the way you described it uh, at first was almost like you were listening to a podcast while you were doing a podcast. And normally, I get to see your reaction. I get to see if you're scrambling for more notes, as you always are, even though as I, even though I say that, you're still as prepared as can be. But you know what? Sometimes, maybe it's an anxiety type of feeling. There's certain times you feel like you're never prepared enough. You know what I'm saying? And But I hope we're... There's plenty of things to cram into this podcast. One thing I want to get to first, we talked a lot about Aaron Judge last week. We will be talking about Cody Bellinger this week. And it's funny, with between these two guys, one dominating the American League as a rookie and has been doing so uh, for basically the majority of the season, Cody Bellinger just getting his call up not too long ago, 
but has been wrecking it Ralph ever since. Aaron Judge. You know I like to take to Twitter and Facebook or I just like to look up some cool things. And I mentioned just a couple minutes ago how you could find us on those outlets. It never really occurred to me. And whenever you watch Aaron Judge play, a lot of the broadcasters will mention his frame a lot. As a matter of fact, it's something we've mentioned on the Diamond in the Rough podcast. But when you actually go do a side-by-side comparison, I want to say it was SportsCenter the other day that they Facebooked. Is that the right way of saying it? Is that the right verb? They Facebook a, they Facebook a photo? No, I think it would be more like they posted the photo on Facebook. You can't really say you Facebooked it, can you? I mean, you can. Go ahead, throw it in the dictionary. It's, it's a word it's, now. It's a, it's a new verb for this kind of I make age, up words or... all the time, so it's fine. Exactly. Well, you know what, Sam? In that case, they Facebooked a side-by-side picture of Aaron Judge. And if you didn't see this, I want you to answer the question. But if you did see this, then say you saw it and then go into it. But if you didn't see it, they went side by side. Rob Gronkowski was on the left, and Aaron Judge was on the right. And then they put up the numbers, height and weight. Do you know? Do you know who had the bigger frame? And if so, I mean, you know, just by be- what margin? I did. First off, I did not see the picture, but I'm gonna go ahead and t- and guess that. It's Aaron Judge because he's six seven. I want to say Gronkowski's probably only six four. Am I right? You see, that's the good thing about you. Well, I, I was about to give you massive credit for knowing your sports, and you were very close. Aaron Judge, yes, six seven. If my memory serves me correctly, though, I want to say Gronkowski. They had him measured in at six six, and actually, I am looking at the actual photo here. Gronkowski weighs in at two hundred and sixty five pounds, six foot six. Aaron Judge, he has that whopping one inch over him, 6'7", 282. Wow. That is, so, a, that is a big baseball player. That, but the funny thing is, like, when you see him up to the plate, you might say, oh, wow, it's a big guy. Like, yeah, big, strong, powerful guy. But I wouldn't think, wow, he's bigger than a football player. He's bigger than one of the best tight ends around. Because That doesn't come to my head. But when somebody puts the numbers up there in front of you face-to-face, you're like, oh, wow. Geez, that's kind of scary. No, yeah, it really is. It's it's just not common. I think that's the the big shock of it. Of course, you expect that out of an NFL tight end, but maybe not so much of out of an MLB player. I mean, that's kind of especially when we get into breaking down these prospects, and we're gonna go ahead and do that in about one more minute with the three up, three down. We're gonna get into that a little quicker than usual. That fun segment of ours, but it's something we've mentioned. I at least I. Once again, if my memory serves me correctly, that's something we talk about often is baseball players nowadays, very similar to the other three major sports here in America where they are just great physically physically, physically strong athletes. They have the build. They could probably be multi-sport athletes. A lot of them actually are, and they just settle with baseball. And with football getting as much heat as it's been getting lately in terms of just not being a safe sport, and oh, oh, who would have thought? Uh, it took us decades to figure that out. Some people might be going more toward baseball. So just since we get into the fun of actually talking about some prospects, we will go right into three up, three down at a little quicker of a pace. And because Sam has the L.A. Dodgers and he has Cody Bellinger to talk about, he's going to go second. I'm going <laughs> to I, I thought you were setting me up, but now, okay, that's fine. No. You're, you're going to go second. You know why, Sam? Because I have the other team in L.A. 
well, they are the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Of Anaheim, I, don't forget that. Yes, I have them, and the podcast that we completely screwed up about two days ago, uh, two episodes ago, the one we didn't post because we had audio, we had audio difficulties. It was the first time we were doing the Skype thing, and we said, "We know what? Uh, scratch that. Let's do another one." I had a three up, three down in that episode, and it was the Angels. And for some reason, Sam, you know. One thing I mentioned was, wow, looking it up, it was hard to find somebody to fit the mold here because that farm system is, it's bad. I mean, I, I, I could say that. It's bad. I, just looking into what they have, it's terrible. But for some reason, during my 3-up, three 3-down, three I almost feel like I tried to sell the number one prospect in their system, Jemiah Jones. I really tried selling him, and that's going to be my number one my sh- my my for sure guy again this time around so let's just get right into it there and i'm not gonna sell it as hard this time around so i'm very very happy that we did not post that episode because wow betting 184 with the a team burlington bees for those who didn't know and the main reason why i went with this guy signed right out of high school it's like, if I can remember correctly, dad played football, brother as well. Dad played in the NFL, brother as well. Sister was athletic, or she was, wasn't she the uh, equestrian, the horseback rider, actually? Somebody in the family was, was a horseback rider or something, from what I remember. And I was really just trying to sell him on the jeans standpoint, if you will, not the Wrangler jeans, the actual him having some genetic genetics in there that can make him this primetime athlete and he's the number one guy in their system sam so and just looking into him and looking for what else they have for the sake of this segment he has to be the number one guy but it's by default it's by battlefield promotion because oh hey let's look throughout the whole system and there's nobody else left and this isn't necessarily a bad thing sam but when was the last time before i get into the other two when was the last time we had a number one prospect in the system that was our can't-miss guy, but he was also doing poorly in single A? Uh, That's I just c- to give it some more perspective. And if you don't remember, I mean, I don't want you to ramble your brain here for about two minutes, but let me just rephrase it, and then you can tell me for a quick minute or two what you think about that. Their can't-miss guy that I had to go with is batting basically my weight, and I'm not that heavy of a guy, in single A. And the rest behind them don't necessarily deserve to be put ahead of him. That kind of goes to show you, yes or no, the state of this organization. Yeah, no, I mean, it does. We all know the Angels don't have the best farm system in the league right now. Far from it, if not one of the worst. Actually, in my opinion, maybe the worst farm system as Which far as... Which is probably why you gave me you gave me the job of doing this on purpose, Sam. This, this was a setup. Hey, all. that's how the cards unfold. You got the American League and the Angels just happen to be on that side of the spectrum, but there's, it's not like there's not players to look forward to. I mean, Jones is someone to still look forward to. He's off to a rough start. There's no question about it, but you know, there's, it's a long season and he could hit a hot streak next week. And those numbers could drastically change because we're still technically early in the season where numbers can fluctuate a lot. So I'm not going to go out there and say, you know, he's not their top guy anymore. He seems to be the athlete just like his family, as you mentioned, they're a group full of athletes that he'll be okay and he's going to bounce back. But 
Yeah, you don't want you don't necessarily want him as your top guy uh, because he's not going to be the game changer. He's not going to be the ten-time All Star that you're hoping for. He's more so going to be a role guy. You know, he maybe he's someone um, with his athleticism athleticism that could sit at the top of the order just for his speed alone. Um, but vice versa, that he could also sit at the bottom of the order for his speed. Who knows? But regardless. He's a role guy. He's not a top guy. He's someone to be excited about. But when he does finally get the call to the majors, and I think he will, I think he'll get over this little hump that he's having with the Burlington Bees right now, that he'll be an all right player. But I'll tell you what, the Angels need to have a lot more than him coming up. And they need to start working that draft, which is coming up. And they need to start probably making some trades. I mean, you're sounding to me like a guy now who's taking the glass half full, and that's totally fine with me. And I don't want to be the pessimistic guy here who's riding the glass half empty. Um, But if I will mention and remind listeners again about how the first time I looked up the Angels organization and was doing a little bit of digging, I threw out a name at you, and you remembered it, Manny Bonuelas. I sure remember him. He would, yeah, you referred to him as, oh, that Yankees guy. <laughs> yeah, I, rem- I remember him. And the thing was, a couple weeks ago, he was within their top 30. He's gonna be my, and once again, he still is my diamond in the rough, basically because I just want to talk about him a little more um, and actually have this one posted so people can listen to this funny little tidbit about Manny Bonuelas, or as Sam would say, that New York Yankees guy even though don't take that as necessarily a positive thing. That's just the team who betted on him first, bet on him first, and then eh, not too much um, production there. But no longer in their top 30 list, as I was trying to look up some more stuff today before the show. And, oh, hey, wait, he's not even there. His MLB statistics, at least through 2016, if I could bring these up for you guys once more. Oh, check that through 2015 because kind of a bad start. So his MLB statistics through 2015, 1-4 record, Ernie of 5.13, 19Ks. And this guy, that was with the Atlanta Braves. New York Yankees kind of gave him the cut from, here we go, Gomez, Palicio, Durango, Mexico. Cinco de Mayo just a couple days ago. I'm not even going to get in to the $70 pay-per-view that I purchased that fight between Canelo Alvarez and Mr. thought he was going to be Chavez Sr. in the ring, but he showed he was really Chavez Jr. This isn't a boxing podcast, thankfully, because I could talk all day about that. It was very, very $70, not necessarily well spent. I did not yes, pay that much money to watch that because I figured it wasn't going to be worth the money. Well, you see, and that's why on a consistent basis, show by show, you just prove that you're smarter than me. But anyways, Manny Bonuelas from the Mexican League. You know, Sam, you remembered him, and you remembered him for a reason. Granted, you remembered him as the New York Yankees guy because he was they signed him in 2018 uh, from the Mexican League for, what was it, a few hundred thousand dollars or whatever. But you remembered him for a reason. And if I can explain that reason or reference that reason in one word, that word would be hype because there was a lot of hype surrounding him at the time. But as you could probably recall, just didn't really pan out. And, you know, we don't have to talk too much more about him <laughs> because that's basically all there is to it. He's dropping low from the system. And 
he's one of those guys where as a pitcher you say hey wait let's give let's give him one more shot i mean we're the angels and not to be mean against sam but we're a terrible organization so let's just see if we can turn him into something that's our diamond in the rough and i say that it was a good idea and that's why i picked him as the diamond in the rough the first time because there was a little bit of perhaps promise for a struggling farm system but uh once again glass half empty this time around mentioning his name and we're going to go to the bust the bust the man drafted by the los angeles angels of anaheim in the first round, 18th overall in the 2010 draft, Caleb Cohort. Ring a bell, Sam? Uh, actually, not Gatorade really. High School Baseball Player of the Year 2010? I feel like yes, but to be perfectly honest with you, in this situation, I like to think I usually know these kind of guys, but for some reason, it's just not ringing as much of a bell as I want it to. He was a third baseman and a pitcher professional career so far has basically just been with the Los Angeles Los Angeles yeah, Angels of Anaheim just for a couple years first rounder that's just not doing too well and Sam what I really want to talk about here is just wow what is going on let's just answer this really quickly before you go to the Dodgers what the heck is going on with this farm system you look at the team like the Angels and their saving grace so far is Mike Trout and a lot of people, baseball fans, all around the globe, just let him go. We need to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. And as a professional team, you're not getting there. And, oh, let's look down to the minors at what you got. Oh, boy, you got nothing there either. So do you pull a Chicago White Sox and do that whole rebuild thing where you trade your Mike Trout and try to get a whopping load of guys to rebuild up that farm system? I don't know. I'm... I'm more pressed to say yes. I think I'd be inclined to say yes. Now I want to pose that question to you only because if you had a little bit of promise surrounding your professional team with what could become and what might become, at least in this generation, the best baseball player we've ever seen, if he can't get you close enough with the surrounding cast, then don't waste his time. This is the time now to sell and get whatever the heck you can to rebuild that system. Because you know what? it It's one of those things where you just don't want to face it, that you have the best player probably ever to date, and you just can't do anything with them. And it kind of sucks. It, you know, it almost sounds like a very depressing situation. Well, when it comes to Mike Trout and the Angels, of course, everyone surrounding it says, trade him, trade him, trade him, because of the situation they're in. Everyone wants to see Mike Trout succeed. He's such a good player. You mentioned a once-in-a-generation. I mean, really, for us, we're watching the Mickey Mantle of our era. I mean, we really are. It's something that we don't realize as we're watching it, but, you know, look at the numbers and look at the progress Mike Trout has made. He's the best player in baseball. There's no, I mean, it is what it is, and that's who... He is, and it's going to continue to be that way because he's currently in his prime in his mid-20s right now. So he's obviously got a lot of years left in him. And it would make sense for the Angels to trade him from one standpoint because, of course, they're going to get a load of prospects back along with other names. Um, They could pretty much ask for whomever they want, and they're going to get him. But let's think of it from the GM of the Angels standpoint. First off, my opinion is that there's no way they're going to trade him he means so much to their organization he brings in the fans and he's 
he is the Mickey Mantle. So you don't trade that away. You just can't because I'll put it simply like this. There's not a single player, prospect, pro, veteran, doesn't matter, that you will get in return from Mike Trout that is as good as him. And but knowing that... I, I don't disagree, Sam, but you're still absolutely dooming yourself, though. If you keep him around for the next few years and you can't even make a legitimate postseason run within the next three to four seasons, and you better hope you do have to keep him around, then then all you could say you did, you were the Mike Trout team then, and it sounds great, and yeah, he brings in the fans. and But then after that, you're doomed with terrible baseball. No hot jerseys being sold after that standpoint. Nobody coming to the game because you're going to be terrible, Sam. So unless you want to spend a whopping amount of money to try to once again figure it out, as they did with the years of Hamilton and Pujols bringing those guys in and trying to surround a good enough core around Trout. And to be quite honest, those names I just mentioned, they brought them in hot off the press. And what the, what is going on that when they did do what it seemed like enough to surround him with other amazing, talented players, they just can't get it done. You mentioned those names. I mean, that was the team that was supposed to win not just one, but be a dynasty, really. Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton, C.J. Wilson at the time, and um, Jared Weaver as well. Don't forget about him. So they had some pitching. They had the hitting, obviously. And it didn't happen. And Torrey Hunter, too. Can't forget about him. Yeah. So they had everything in front of them that they could have ever wanted. But here's the problem. They gave so much money to Josh Hamilton and Albert Pujols. You got Albert Pujols as still Hamilton a, really burned them. Hamilton burned them the most. We all know that uh, because he was hot garbage. Pujols, you're still getting a guy who's over 100 RBIs in the season. He's going to hit 30 to 40 home runs, but he was on the decline. And now we're really seeing it this season as he's really struggling. I think he has four or five home runs. He's on his way to 600. So it's not like Albert Pujols doesn't matter. He still adds an at-bat in your lineup that is important and is productive. But you're paying a guy to be Albert Pujols of the St. Louis Cardinals, who he just isn't anymore. And so now his time's run up, and you've got a lonely Mike Trout over there who seems to be the only guy providing anything in that lineup. Um, I mean, there's a couple of other guys who are decent over there, but they're pitching is horrendous. I mean, go ahead and name me the starting five of the Angels. You probably can't. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Absolutely not. yeah, Matt Shoemaker is basically their ace, and that is saying a lot. Absolutely, and just because we're running up against the clock, we do have to stop with the pessimistic talk. We're, we're going to stop being mean to the Angels, and we'll transition to the Dodges. But one more time for all you prospect heads and draft heads wondering – what the heck happened in that farm system? As Sam just mentioned, with Hamilton and Pujols burning them, they also burn them more because as rules work, Sam, that we were trying to discuss uh, right before this podcast, I looked into it. 2013 and 2012, you know who their first-round picks were? They didn't have any. So they a little bit of bad general managing, I guess you could say, and sad, sad situation with them. And it's a, it's a, it was from a, from a fan standpoint – not the best team to close out a three up three down with in that division. So, but it is what it is. And now you can talk to us about, tell us so many wonderful things about the Dodgers and their man, Cody Bellinger. 
Oh, I sure will. Then you already took the words out of my mouth. My obvious prospect, I mean, where else am I going to go with this? Cody Bellinger. And we're seeing it right in front of us with him and the pros. And doing. You're showing why he should have been a top five prospect before the season, Sam, aren't you? Yeah, damn right. I'm, uh, I am holding true. What you projected. That's right. If, if everyone remembers when we made our top five projections of who we thought the experts were going to pick, I was convinced that Cody Bellinger was going to be number two. But we know that didn't happen. He was not number two. He was not close to number two. Uh, but here we are sitting. He's, of course, he's only played in 11 games at this point. But in 11 games, Dan, the man has five home runs, including a grand slam in last night's game, 14 RBI, batting a 357 and a 413 on base percentage. And he already has a stolen base, too, for what that's worth. So Cody Bellinger coming up and automatically adding another bat to that vicious Dodgers lineup. Uh, not that they needed another one, but it came in the perfect timing because Adrian Gonzalez just went on the DL for the first time in his career, by the way. 14 seasons spent in the majors and not one DL stint, which is amazing to say the least. Uh, but perfect timing because Cody Bellinger, he's also a gold glove caliber first baseman. So they got a guy who, I hate to say it, but Adrian Gonzalez's time might be limited because how could you bench this guy with the way he's hitting? And the fact that he's a better fielder than Adrian Gonzalez, I don't think anyone questions that. So when Gonzalez is finally healthy, he's going to have a hard time finding himself back into that starting lineup. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that pans out. Maybe I don't think the Dodgers will go to the extreme of trading him by the deadline, deadline, but it could be an option if Cody Bellinger continues this power that he's showing. So, I mean, not only that, he's going to hit for average, too. He's a five-tool player. The Dodgers, if you were excited about Corey Seager, you should be just as excited about Bellinger, if not more, because you have two players who are going to be part of your franchise, ideally, for the next decade, who are going to compete for a World Series every year, along with Clayton Kershaw on the mound. So they have a core right now that is undeniable and is going to be dangerous. And the West, as good as the West is, the Dodgers are going to be the team to beat, despite the fact that I think they're in, what, third place right now? I know the uh, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies are ahead yeah, of them it's currently. A, it's, a, it's a real funky, even with a lot of divisions, it's a real funky time of the year where things are a little bit of a scramble egg scenario, but then they'll start, teams will weed their way out within about the next couple of weeks or so. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, we're heading into May now, so... You know, the the grind of the baseball season has just begun. And it's really cool, though. I definitely didn't. I knew Bellinger was going to get the call, you know, way before September, of course. But I wasn't sure how early. And it was really cool to see the fact that he has the opportunity to come up this early and show what he's capable of. And him and his pole-like batting stance is doing a great job right now. You've seen Cody Bellinger bat. Uh, Dan, how do you like that with him standing straight up, Craig Console-like almost just, but instead of having the bat way up in the air, he likes to lay it on his shoulder? It It's a little interesting to me. I, you, you know, I'm, I'm more or less shocked when unorthodox type of batting stances work out. It's almost like the Sean Marion deal with basketball. He had such an unorthodox shot, but hey, it worked because – it's one of those situations where it's something you're not really taught throughout your years playing baseball, starting out 
as a youngin in little league and if you work your way up or it's just not really the type of technique people will teach you and if there's one thing almost anybody could tell you about the game of baseball i could take somebody off the street right now ask them if they've ever been to a baseball game they could tell me no i could take them to a game right now and what they would realize is just anybody watching the game they would think oh hey looks like part of this game is getting the bat to the ball as quick as possible. So that would mean to me being as ready as possible in the batter's box and standing as unorthodox as he does, it shocks me that, A, he's comfortable with it, and, B, he has enough confidence and shows that he could do it anyways, get that bat to the ball in the perfect amount of time. So, hey, who am I to judge an unorthodox swing? And at the end of the day, it works for him, so... Be wowed by it, I guess. Yeah, it's not so much about the stance, uh, but rather it's more about the swing. And if you watch Cody Bellinger's swing, you know he's got a good one. And he's starting to show it early. And I can't wait to see him in all-star games and winning gold glove awards. And who know, who else knows what Cody Bellinger will do in his career, but it'll be he'll be really fun to watch for years to come. So he's the obvious prospect. Moving on, I've got to continue with the Dodgers, of course. The bust, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. It's Chris Reed, the 16th overall pick in the 2011 draft. Never gave the Dodgers really, as I would like to say, the wow factor they were hoping for. Uh, he was a product out of Stanford. And, of course, the Dodgers, after some time in the minors, and he never really got it going uh, to the point where they never even gave him the call-up, actually. They gave up on him in July of 2015. The Miami, Miami Marlins ended up picking him up, and he did get the call-up with the Marlins, but for only two relief appearances. That's all Mr. Reed would be able to see in his career in the majors and decided that that would be it. He retired in February of this year, of 2017, actually. You know, Chris, he, he could have kept going with it. That's what's interesting. You know, most of these guys, you know, they're not going to give up. They, you know, they're too prideful or they really believe they still have it and They'll, they'll keep fighting for what their dream is, and you respect that, but you also respect the fact that someone like Chris Reed, he sits there, he's probably tired as shit, you know, so many years of traveling all over the place, playing the game he does love, and you got to imagine, if you asked him, he would probably say, you know, I just lost the love for the game. It sounds so cliche, but it's true. After so many years of grinding and never being able to live up to your potential, and I'm sure getting hurt all the time, and, you know, who knows, Chris Reed, I don't know his personal life. You might have a family. It's time to move on. It's time to figure something else out with your life, and I hope Chris Reed's doing something. So I hope, I, I hope he has a good life, and I hope he's, you know, doing work in some kind of job. Maybe not. Hopefully he's not like a manager at McDonald's or something. Let's let's hope he hasn't hit that level. That's always the default, isn't it, in this world? Isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Oh, he works at not, McDonald's. Yeah, we just hope he's not flipping fries at McDonald's. That's always the default of what you Dad, hope somebody Dad, did you just say doing. flipping fries? Yeah, you can flip fries. I mean, you flip fries burgers, are not flipped, my friend. You can't flip fries. I That's mean, good. I mean, when you're cooking them, you flip burgers, but fries, you you know, you fry, you put them in the fryer. I don't know if you're flipping them rather than. You could flip them into Dumping the them. box in which they're served. Sure you can. <laughs> I guess you have a, a weird way of throwing your fries into your box. You like to flip them one by one. <laughs> I mean, you're not flipping it with a spatula necessarily, but you're you're tossing them in. Whatever. Flipping <laughs> fries at McDonald's. 
Well, Dan's going to keep flipping his fries along with Chris Reed um, over at McDonald's one day. Nah, nah. You guys are you, you both doing good. You and Chris Reed. Oh, thanks. Chris Reed and I just doing amazing things. You sure are. So maybe maybe we'll meet him one day and say we get to, we talked about him. But anyways, two relief appearances. Called it quits. Retired man. Hopefully living the life for himself. Now I got to move on to the diamond in the rough. And it's O'Neal Cruz. This guy really excites me. You know, I talked about the the main guys, but O'Neal Cruz within a couple seasons, I really believe is going to be their next top prospect. Uh, he He's somewhere in the 20s in their top 30 right now. And I think, like I said, eventually he's going to be top three for them probably, no doubt. O'Neal Cruz, he talked about Aaron Judge and how tall he is. O'Neal Cruz is 6'6 himself, except the difference between him and Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is a big, thick man. O'Neal Cruz weighs 175 pounds. That's not that big. Uh, think about that at 6'6". I, I weigh more than that, I want to say. Uh, yeah. Are you kidding? I, I, weigh, I definitely weigh more than that, yeah. Hell yeah, I weigh more than that. And I'm... I said, I, oh, I weigh more than that. I know that for sure. Yeah, we, well, we both do. And he's 6'6", and he's way taller than either of us. So, just to put it in perspective, the guy looks like a pull. I mean, he, he's super skinny, but that, that doesn't take away from his talent. The guy's an extremely talented hitter, uh, contact-wise, that is, from the left side of the plate. But he's got to put on some muscle to get some power to add to his bat. There's no doubt he needs to do that. It's just, that's just a simple fact. He's got to hit the weight room. He knows it. His coaches know it. And hopefully, that's what they're doing with him in the minors. That's where, you know, you need to grow. You need to continue to build yourself. And he's a young player. He's 18 years old. So he has plenty of time to put on the weight, put on the muscle, to really hit his ceiling he has just started with his career, uh, but just his simple mechanics are enough to really get someone excited about because he brings a lot to his table with how smooth his swing is uh, and how easy he makes it seem, you know, hitting a 99-mile-per-hour fastball. Uh, from the defensive side of the ball, he is a infielder, a corner infield. He's split his time between shortstop and third base. you got to imagine at his frame – He'll eventually probably stick to the hot corner at third. I can't see the Dodgers wanting him to play short as much. Um, who knows, though? They could they could switch it up. We'll see. I imagine he'll make the pros by the time he's, I'm going to say 21. But if he does hit the fast track, you could maybe expect him to see him at just 20 years old. So in about two seasons. Uh, in those two seasons, though, expect him to put in a lot of work to become the player the Dodgers hope he can be. And who knows? It just might go. Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, O'Neill Cruz for the 3-4-5 lineup. Uh, I would say in 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. Sounds so, about right. Yeah. So that's your future for the Dodgers. And it really, really sounds like a good one, doesn't it? It, it sure does. And, Sam, I love that you were so ecstatic. But I hate to break it to you that – Rundown time shows 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 just about up. But next episode we will be talking more draft stuff. Well, we'll actually talk draft stuff. Can I ask uh, you one question before we shut no. it down about the draft? No. Come on, come on. No. We got we got we got to fit no. this in. We're fitting it in. No. Damn it. What is it? So there's two players oh, coming man. into this MLB draft. 
You're pulling into next week's rundown. No, I'm not. I just want to. I just. I don't. I don't need the opener. We did promise a little bit of draft. Exactly. I don't need. I don't need a a full-on explanation of why or anything like that. I just need you to simply tell me who is the number one overall pick to the Minnesota Twins for this year's draft in June. Is it Brendan McKay out of Louisville or is it Hunter Green out of Notre Dame? Not college. The high school Notre Dame in California. Well, you're a jerk, huh? Um. I'm going to go ahead and say, wow, this, this, is, this is really rough. I know who I think. Hunter Green, and I don't think that should be the case. Okay. See? And I'll tell you more next time. Okay, that's fair. I will say, I'll, I'll, I won't go into, into the depth of it, but Brendan McKay is who I think the Twins will end up going with. And we'll that's t- who it should be. That's, that's who it should be. Yeah. But I could definitely see the Twins pulling the trigger on Hunter Green, just like you said. But we'll give you more information on that next week. Absolutely, we sure will. But if you want inform- if you want information throughout the week, throughout the minute, throughout the seconds of your day, at Diamond Podcast, you can find us there on Twitter, Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. That's the email. Diamond in the Rough Podcast on Facebook. That's where you'll find us on those outlets. Sam. Always a pleasure, my man. Next week, plenty, plenty more to talk about. Always. And from here on now, it is over and out from the boys of the Diamond in the Rough podcast. Catch you next week.